the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. In the second half of the show, Irish journalist Hugo McCafferty will tell me about the invasion of predatory blue crabs in northern Italy and the devastating impact it is having on the population of clams there and the fishermen who rely on it for their livelihoods. But first, I'm going to talk about the new Apple iPhone 15, which was launched by the tech giant on Tuesday at a glitzy event. Kira Bryan was in the room in California for that launch, and she joins me now on the line. Kira, thank you for joining us from California. Let's take the good news first for Irish consumers. There's actually going to be price cuts on these iPhone 15 models, unlike in the US where they're going to pay more. Why so? Yeah, so what we've seen is for once we've got the price cut, for once it's gone in our favour and we haven't seen the price hikes that there would have been in the US because there was an awful lot of predictions that you know the, the prices were going to rise, Apple was going to increase them. And they did for, for some regions. Um, Europe got the price cut this time uh, between 50 and 100 euro across the board for all the devices that Apple announced, both the watches and the phones. So if you look at something like the iPhone 15 Pro, that's 100 euro cheaper for the base model than what you would have paid for the iPhone 14 Pro last year. The Pro Max, on the face of it, looks like the same price, but actually when you look at what you're getting for it, they've they've cut out the, the, the 128 gigabyte capacity phone. The entry level one is now 256 gigabytes. So you're basically getting... Uh, basically double the capacity for the same price as you would have got for the the, the, the entry-level phone last year. So, you know, it, it's actually good news. And then for the 15, like the, the, the price differences are more muted. You know, it's only 50 euro for the 15 and the 15 plus there's 50 euro in the difference. But this counts, you know, I, I get every euro counts to people. And um, when you're looking at something like as expensive as, as the iPhone, you know, it does help if we're not being hit with this massive price increase. And it's partly down to it's down to the, the exchange rate. I mean, if you remember this time last year, the dollar euro exchange rate was insane. It was practically one to one at some points. Um, so we've actually benefited now from that kind of falling back uh, in the exchange rate and things kind of returned to a bit more of a normal level. So good news for Irish consumers. Yes, well, no, let's not get carried away. It's still €1,239 for the iPhone 15 Pro. So uh, nice to have the €100 Euro price cut, but that's still a lot of money. Oh, it is. But we do get very caught up with the price of the phones. Um, and I think what we tend to forget is that a lot of people do not buy these phones uh, right. So they're not going to see that immediate impact. It's going to be spread over, usually spread over a one to two year contract, usually two years now. And what we're also seeing is the replacement cycle for these phones is lengthening. So talking to a few analysts, you know, it's it's kind of gone from it used to be that people would upgrade their phone every year because they thought they're getting a free upgrade. So you know, they'd be offered an upgrade. They take it. You're actually paying for it. You just it's built into the price of your plan. Then that kind of went to two years. You can see that in the 24-month contracts that people take out from phone providers. And it's now gone to three to four years in some places. So, you know, people are hanging on to their phones longer. And they should be because these things are well built. Um, for a lot of people, you know, they're, they're, you're, you're spending over the course of that contract, you're spending twelve between 1,000 to 1,200 euro on the phone. Um, you're not feeling the immediate impact of that, you know, that, that high price, but you are paying it. Like, make no bones about it. You're paying it one way or the other. Sure. Um, and then, you know, people kind of get to the end of their contract, they're offered an upgrade by the network and they take it and then the cycle starts again. But, you know, I always say to people that, you know, if your phone is good or if a lot of the time when well, people are upgrading because the battery's gone to hell, 
uh, replace the battery. It's, you know, it's, it's under 100 euro to replace the battery on your phone and you'll get another couple of years out of it because what Apple does well is it supports the software on its phones for longer than a lot of other manufacturers will. So, you know, you'd still get, you kind of get five to six years out of an iPhone, actually probably more than six years at this point, um, and it will still be updated. It will still run the software. You know, it will get to a point, look, where the, the, the software and the technology is advanced to a point where it can no longer run the latest and greatest version of the software reliably. And it's out of security. Updates. Mm. And that's where you have to look at really replacing it because then it's a security risk for your data. That's a whole other topic that we can get into. But, you know, you don't need to replace it. And nobody needs to upgrade to an iPhone 15 if they've got a 14, 13 or 12. You know, but people who last bought a phone four years ago, you know, this is actually, you know, it's a it's a good phone. It's it will last for another few years, and because they've changed some of the elements of it, so instead of stainless steel, it now, it's now made with titanium, which is more durable than stainless steel. So fingers crossed, if you do manage to drop it, it won't fall apart or shatter, you know. And it's not as an expensive a repair as it would have been because they've now changed the design of the phone to make it more repairable. And look, you know, this is pressure that Apple has come under to increase the repairability, as a lot of manufacturers have come under, to increase the repairability of their devices because people don't want to have to spend a stupid amount of money, you know, fixing a phone. I mean, if you if you broke the back glass on the iPhone before, it required a whole kind of chassis change on it. You know, it wasn't just, you couldn't just lever off the back bit of yeah. it, but now you can just replace bits and it should be cheaper. So it means phones should last longer. People are more likely to repair them if, you know, the, the, the repair isn't going to cost basically half the cost of a new phone. All right. So what's what's new about this? What would tempt somebody to upgrade their phone or to spend 1,200 euro uh, on an iPhone 15? So there's a difference between the 15 and the 15 Pro. And the difference there is the, mainly the chip. So up until the last, I think that the last release of the phone, the iPhone 14, what they used to do is the, the, they would get the same chip. So they'd have the same chip working on the inside of both the 15 and the 15 Pro. They changed that last year and... What they do now, and they've, they've carried it over to this year, is the 15 Pro gets the latest and greatest technology. The 15 follows with some stuff that they brought in last year and, you know, like last year's A16 Bionic chip instead of the A17. Um, and, you know, most people aren't going to notice the difference uh, between the two. But what they also do as well is they brought in uh, a new camera on the uh, the Pro Max in particular that has a, a better zoom on it. You know, they brought in a few new features. You know, they've changed the design. As I said, you know, it's a titanium case on the Pro model, so it'll be a bit more durable. Um, the most kind of, I suppose, the most dramatic upgrades are for the, the, the 15 and the 15 Plus get a significantly better camera. They get this 48 megapixel camera that was on the 14 Pro last year. And, you know, that gives you, I suppose, it gives you a bit of extra leeway when it comes to taking photographs so you know you get better resolution you can do more stuff with it uh there's improved night modes on all the cameras across the board and then obviously then on the the, the other end of things you've got the, the the pro max that gets this super zoom lens um, and it uses uh something that they're calling tetra prism technology which is similar to what samsung has done with the s23 ultra where it uses a periscope lens to basically bounce some light around and you can basically get a, a on the Samsung, it's a 10x zoom. On the Pro Max, it's a 5x zoom. Either way, it's impressive. I've seen it working. Uh, it was it, it was quite impressive to kind of the difference between a, a three times zoom and a five times zoom. You wouldn't think it would be that much, but it actually was fairly dramatic. So you can get more photographs, better photographs from further away. So, you know, we did kind of raise the point as well. It might be a stalker's dream, but you know, it, the zoom isn't that powerful that you could kind of, you know, be unobtrusive. 
they've also increased, you know, they've, they've upgraded the, the night modes on it. So you get better night modes and they've added a new way to take portraits. So on some Android phones for a while, you've been able to shift the focus on some of your portrait photographs. So if you take a photograph of your two kids um, and you want to focus on the focus on one of them, but you want to have a photo with the focus on the other, you can now do that after you take the photograph. You can switch the focus between the two. Um, and it's also going to take enough information when you take a photograph that you can create a portrait photo if there is a subject. So a cat, a dog, a person, a baby, mm. you know, it, anything like that in it. So it, it just makes it more flexible. And look, again, all of these are incremental updates for a lot of people. But if that's only if you're going kind of from the 14, 13 and 14 to the 15, if you have an older iPhone, the difference will be more dramatic. Um, and, you know, the, the, this obviously then there's the, because the chip is more powerful, it's more efficient. You know, there's a lot of numbers being thrown at you. But what you need to know is it will work. It will work well. Uh, and if you're a gamer, I mean, I saw there was one game in particular that they showed. It supports something called ray tracing, which is a very kind of tacky gaming term for how uh, how these devices kind of show um, light, you know, so like, it, it's more realistic light. And I was looking at a game on it and it's something that I would have expected to see on a console, the way, you know, shadows and reflections were were appearing on the this tiny phone screen in comparison to, you know, your 50 inch TV at home. Um, and it just shows you how far kind of mobile gaming has come since we were, you know, kind of playing Snake on a, a Nokia phone back in the early 2000s. So, you know, it is fairly impressive and the other thing as well is obviously it's got USB-C yeah what's the big deal about that well up until now practically every new phone I get across my desk has a USB-C connection on it so that means I can swap cables it means I don't have to have the cable that came with it to charge the phone um, and it also means that you know if a cable breaks I don't have to go buy another one because I've probably got like 20 of them at home from different devices you know because headphones use USB-C uh, cameras can use USB-C it's it's Basically, the the replacement for the old USB standard, you know, the, the micro USB, but it works in a similar way as Lightning that, you know, you don't have to plug it in a certain way. It goes either way. It's much more convenient. It's much faster at transferring data. And it's just it's a better choice if you're trying to limit the amount of electronic waste that's out there. Having a standard charger across the board helps enormously. Now, this isn't an Apple uh, innovation. This has been forced on, no. them, isn't it, by the European Commission? It is the EU, basically at EU level, this has been it's for some time they've been trying to push through this whole idea of having this universal charger. So Apple has been including USB-C USB -C on some of its devices. So the, the iPad Pro got it and then they started to introduce it on the different iPads. So there's only, I said at this stage, there are still some lightning enabled devices, but Basically, at the event this week, what they announced was all I, the iPhones now, the iPhone 15, 15 Pro, both of them have USB-C chargers. So there's no more scrambling looking for a, an Apple charger if you have a new phone. They're also updating the AirPods case, which would be also Lightning, to have a USB-C uh, charger. So yeah, it's, it's basically it's standardizing all this. You don't need to have three different cables now you you'll probably still yeah. need a couple because you know that the watches don't use any of the, the wearables don't use the, this USB-C standard sure the environmental groups there was a hope uh, that at this event um tim cook would announce that they were going to have some sort of scheme where people can hand back in their cables and i don't know maybe get a you know one of these um new cables or to get something back to get something anyway uh, for it but in fact yeah. it was uh, there was nothing to that effect so a big disappointment i think among environmentalists that apple uh, isn't doing any sort of uh, rebate scheme on the old cables because there must be billions of them knocking about 
yeah, there there would be quite a few, but I, I don't know about you, but I found that, you know, a lot of my cables over the years have degraded, as these things tend to do, um, to a point where, you know, they're just not safe to use anymore. And I'm starting to eye a few of them now that have, you know, you can start to see like the little yellow mark around the the charging part of it where it meets the cable because I had um a bad experience a few years ago with a, a, a cable while I was charging my iPhone it was in my hand and the cable actually sparked now it wasn't I will specify that it wasn't an Apple branded cable it was a third party but it was Apple approved obviously because all these things have to work with Apple and they have to be certified but it actually sparked in my hand and burnt my hand and that was at about three o'clock in the morning so I don't charge my phone overnight anymore because of that now that's obviously a separate issue but yeah I mean I think but just because Apple hasn't announced it yet doesn't mean that it won't. I mean, they do an upgrade scheme. They do a, 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 an upgrade scheme for the phones. I mean, the cables themselves, you know, whether or not people would actually get around to, to trading them in is one thing. Um, and there are quite a few of these already out there. So there's a good chance that if you have an Apple device, you already have USB-C cables in the house that would work with the new the new chargers. I just thought it was interesting because at the event, they had this video, didn't they? Uh with Mother Nature, where Mother Nature comes to visit the Apple office, the top brass, Tim Cook is there with a lot of his, uh, a lot of his top team members. And uh, Octavia Spencer, is, uh, the award-winning actress, plays uh, Mother Nature. And they're going through all of the various metrics by which Apple is, is going green and is going to be carbon neutral by 2030. But you would have thought that this might, uh, this doesn't uh, feature in the video, but you might might have thought that this would would have been a, a sort of a key metric for them in in terms of their transition to uh, you know a, a carbon neutral uh, net zero position by by twenty thirty. Well, I suppose look if you, if you think about it another way as well, and you know obviously I'm not in any way you know uh, trying to to speak for Apple on this, but I'm just thinking about like if I have an iPhone fourteen and I have a Lightning cable, I have no need to swap it out for. A USB-C cable. So you could actually create more waste by doing that because it would encourage people to swap cables that they don't actually need at the moment. Um, if you buy an iPhone, you're going to get the cable. If you buy uh, AirPods, you're going to get the USB-C cable with it. So, you know, it's not, they've taken some stuff out of the boxes already. You know, they've taken the, the they, you don't always get the, the, you don't get the plugs in the boxes anymore because people have a million USB plugs lying around. But, you know, I, I'm not sure about the value of actually having a scheme where you swap Apple cables, because if, you know, if when you get a new device, you know, you will actually have, you will get the cable with it. Um, I suppose if you want spares, yeah, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a, a, a problem there. You'd have to buy new cables to have spare cables lying around. But again, you know, the whole point of this initiative is not for people to get extra cables, but to use the ones that they already have. Yeah, And that's, you know, that's the whole point of reducing e-waste is that, you know, not, not that people would be encouraged to swap every single cable they have for a new USB-C, but that, you know, you would use the existing USB-C cables that you have. Now, slightly embarrassing, certainly in the timing anyway for Apple, uh, a French watchdog has ordered it to stop selling the iPhone 12 model on the grounds that it breaches European exposure limits, um, effectively our exposure to radiation. I see, I don't know if this was mentioned in California, but I see Apple has come out today and said that this um, iPhone 12 model has been certified by multiple international bodies as being compliant with radiation mm -hmm. standards. So it seems to be rejecting what the French are saying, but it's not helpful, I guess, in terms of the timing of this uh, this launch. No, it's not. I mean, it hasn't, wasn't really raised, um, not to me anyway, at the event. And uh, you know, it might get raised, obviously, in the next couple of days um, as we get to talk to the executives that are around. But 
you know, I think, yeah, they've, they've come out and said that it, it, it's passed all the certification. I think, you know, obviously it doesn't do much good for consumer confidence in electronics with this kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, when this, I suppose, that they're going to present their own evidence, I assume, you know, that, that this is, they're relying on a report anyway, that this breaches whatever guidelines are in place. Uh, I'm assuming Apple will refute that. There will have to be some sort of independent adjudication on that. Um, but yeah, the iPhone 12 is still a a good phone for Apple. You know, they, there there are still people using them. I mean, the up to the the eight, I think, is the last one that's supported. So you know, there would be quite a few of those still knocking around. Um, again, we come back to the fact that you know phones are supposed to last more than two years. So the iPhone 12 is not that old. Uh, but I do think that yeah, they they it is something that uh, they they should clarify. Okay. Kiri, you've been, we're obviously on the 15th model of the iPhone, as the name suggests. You've been at a lot of these launch events over the years. What's it like now? I think they called it Wonderlust, uh, this particular one. But how has it changed over the years? Is there still the, the sort of frisson of excitement in the room? Or uh, are they just a bit ho-hum now, given that it's only incremental changes in terms of the actual models? Well, I suppose at events like this, you do have uh, diehard Apple fans as well. And they, you know, there will always be a warm reception for a lot of what Apple is announcing. But yeah, I think, you know, there was a kind of a sense that, yes, a lot of this is incremental changes. Um, and there is a bit of smartphone fatigue out there across the board. You know, you see it with all the, the phones being launched at the moment. I mean, there's only so good you can make a camera. There's only so small you can make and so thin you can make a phone. There's only so light you can make it. And there's only so excited we can get about chips when you know most people don't really care about the the, the the chips that are inside their phone they just want their phone to work um so in terms of of you know excitement you know, there was some stuff actually one of the things that got uh got the most excitement was when they announced the new iCloud plus plans you know the, which is basically your cloud storage so that I suppose that shows you you know like people were impressed with with some of the the, the stuff for the iPhone they were impressed with some of the stuff for the watch um but yeah, I mean, stuff like services, you know, the fact that now that you can get a six terabyte and, and bigger iCloud Plus plan, iCloud storage plan, if you've got, you know, kids in the house or teenagers that have iPhones, you're going to need it um, because all of your, your stuff is stored in the cloud now. But that was kind of one of the more um, the, the more well-received things as well. It was kind of just it was it was towards the end of, of the event. Um, and there was some talk as well. There was a brief mention of the vision. Pro, you know, they're going to give a bit of an update saying, you know, they're still on track to, to release it next year. And this is obviously Apple's um, spatial computing, mixed reality, whatever you want to call it, headset. Uh, and, you know, developers are in you know, creating apps for it. And they announced that, you know, the, the, the pro models of the iPhone 15 will be able to take spatial video. And, you know, this, all of this is in mind, you know, with, with uh, having the, the, the Vision Pro. And, you know, there was a moment, there was a slight pause where they said, you know, you'll be able to take spatial video and share it. There's a slight pause. And then they added with any, with people who have a Vision Pro. But there was just a moment there where we thought, oh, this could be really good. And then it was like, but you have to have a three and a half grand headset to use it. Um, so, you know, the, the, there is, I suppose there is a, in general a bit of fatigue. And we're kind of at the point where we've seen yeah. so much innovation that it's hard to kind of get excited about stuff. But, you know, they are incremental changes. They will matter to some people and not at all to others. And there will be people who will always say, sure, why is this a big deal? Okay, now I know you've had it for less than 24 hours at this stage, but in the round, uh, would you give it a thumbs up or a, a thumbs down? If you've had, if you haven't had an upgrade in a while, I would say yes, thumbs up. Uh, it's it's noticeably lighter. 
uh, even the Pro Max. I mean, I have a 14 Pro um, with the case on it and everything. It felt heavier in my hand than the, the, the 15 Pro Max because of the titanium case. It fits better in your hand as well because they've managed to shrink it down. So it's it's smaller with the same screen size. It's thinner with the same screen size and it's lighter. And that counts for a lot for people. And then on top of that, you have the camera and the camera. I was impressed by the camera. Um, I'd be interested to try it out myself in more normal settings. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a very artificial kind of setting when you're 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 jostling with people trying to you know, get some time with a phone and uh, trying to get some time with a watch. It's all very, um, it's, it's a bit more artificial and, you know, you're being talked through all the features. Sure. But in general, it looks it looks quite good. It feels good. There are going to be people who will buy this. I was talking to, a, I had a, a taxi driver yesterday who told me he's already considering upgrading his 14, which to me, that was madness. But, you know, I can't tell people what to do with their money. Yeah, true. Well, interesting that taxi drivers in California can afford to upgrade their iPhones uh, every year. A very comprehensive review there. Kira O'Brien, thank you for joining us. Thanks very much. We're going to take a short break now. When I return, Irish journalist Hugo McCafferty will tell me about the impact of blue crab on the fishing industry in Northern Italy. Back in a few moments. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Now, Italy is one of the biggest exporters of clams, but fishing communities in the northern parts of the country have suffered a major economic shock in recent months from the invasion of blue crabs, who are normally found in the Americas and who are devouring young Italian clams. Hugo McCafferty is an Irish journalist living close to Lake Como, and he's been following this extraordinary story. Joining me by phone, I began by asking him to explain the impact of the invasion of blue crab in northern Italy. Okay, so the Chesapeake Bay blue crab, otherwise known as the Kalinectis sandipus, infested Italian waters, particularly in the north and the lagoon areas. Now, it gets its name because it comes from Chesapeake Bay or sort of the Mississippi Delta area where it's widely fished and widely farmed and considered a delicacy. And there's a big industry there around fishing and, and the cooking and eating of, of these crabs. But of course, it's a non-native species to Italy. It's thought it came into Italy in about the 1940s in um, ballast water of cargo ships that was then emitted into the bays and lagoons of northern Italy. And while that has been there, the you know for about since the 40s, the population that recently has really exploded. And the reason it's um, the blue crab is in in the news at the moment is that in August the government of Giorgio Maloney has put aside 2.9 million of funds. Um, in order to try and help reduce the numbers and eventually to eradicate these blue crabs that have taken over the lagoons of northern Italy. Now, there's a big problem in the Po Delta, which is about an, an hour north of Venice, and it's a UNESCO-protected wetlands. And it's known for um, its marine agriculture. There they farm uh, particularly Italian clams, mussels, oysters, um, eels, and um, that whole industry is under threat because these blue crabs have uh, basically become rampant. They reckon that about uh, 80 to 90 percent of the population of clams has been of young young clams has been devastated, uh, which will affect uh, future production. 
So we have about over 300 family home owned businesses in that area alone and about 1,500 jobs under threat from this blue crab. So it is a matter of some concern, um, particularly for the um, agricultural fishing lobbies, uh, who have been um, calling for, for funds and for a campaign to encourage uh, Italian people to eat them. And Hugo, Italy is one of the world's biggest clam producers. So how big is it in economic terms? Well, Italy is uh, Europe's biggest exporter of clams and the third biggest in the world behind China and Korea. So it is very it is a significant industry, particularly in the north. Now, you'll know that the, the Italians take their food very, very seriously. And um, the dock or the origin protetta, the protected regions, are extremely important to Italian food products and for their exportation. So it is, um, you, you'll be aware of, if you've ever visited Italy, you've probably tried the Italian vongole verace, mm. which is the spaghetti or linguine with clams. It's absolutely delicious, but it's one of the sort of iconic Italian pasta dishes, always eaten at the summertime here. And the Italians take their food very, very seriously. If you ever tried to add uh, cream to a carbonara, <laughs> you, you'll know that you can, you can invoke the wrath of Italians. So once they're, the food and the cuisine is, threatened by something like this, certainly people sit up and take notice. Yeah, sure. So what can be done to halt the march of the blue crab? I know it's been fished, but are there any other more extreme measures that are being considered? Uh, well, not really, because this is a, it's, it's, it's a voracious predator. It has, uh, they don't actually understand why the populations have increased so much in the last year. They think because the crab, when the water temperatures are... Uh, below 10 degrees Celsius, the crabs can actually struggle to, to reproduce. But recently, there's been a consistent kind of a temperature of about 12 degrees Celsius, which has allowed them to absolutely flourish. Now, it's a very, very complicated thing, and there are many opinions flying around out there. Obviously, climate change is considered the, the reason for this. If you put your mind back to last winter, you might remember seeing pictures of how the a lot of the Italian uh, ski resorts were suffering because of a very low snowfall. And the knock-on effect of that is that when you've got low snowfall, you've got less uh, meltwater filling, the cooler meltwater filling the, the rivers and the streams, which ultimately flow down into the Po and ultimately flow into the Po Delta and keep the temperature uh, relatively low. So you can just get an, an idea of how all these things are interconnected and how complex it is. But for the moment, what the government is looking to do is to actually employ people to go out and to fish these crabs and to encourage people to develop a taste for them. Because up until now, fishermen have been catching tons, you know, hundreds of tons so far, over 350 tons have been fished this year. But usually they just, you know, they'll throw them away because there, there hasn't been a market for it. Also, they're trying to develop uh, export markets for it. So they have been shipping them to the US where they're, they're, they're highly prized. Um, and the Asian markets as well, where they eat a lot of crabs. So Korea has also reached out to the Italian government and they're looking to, to purchase and, and um, you know, get the, the, the blue crab into their markets, but also to send their fishing fleets to, to Italy to help, them, to help them fish. So has it started appearing on menus in restaurants around northern Italy? Have you tried it? Yeah, I have. So ever since um, Giorgia Maloney appeared, she posted a picture on her social media account with her brother-in-law, who happens to be the, the Minister for Agriculture. 
where they were enjoying a plate of blue crab um, um, at Ferragosto, which is like the, the, the big August holiday here. And since then, I've seen it on menus uh, quite a lot. I've seen it generally served with pasta. I've eaten it myself uh, with a fusilli, and it's absolutely delicious. It's really, really good uh, crab meat. Um, and everyone who I've talked to in the restaurants, are they're really, really enjoying, enjoying eating it. Well, every clam cloud has a silver lining, I, I guess. So I've read that 90% of the uh, clams have been devoured by this uh, blue crab. So I presume there's going to be uh, something of a shortage of clams in Italy and maybe other parts of the world uh, for over the next number of months. Yeah, well, certainly these are the young clams that they have been devouring. So we won't see the, uh, the shortage just yet, but probably next year you, you most, most certainly will. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to drive up the clam price, um, if that's going to make the Vungula Vrace a, a, a much uh, rarer delicacy. Um, but we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. OK, Hugo McCafferty, thank you for joining us. Thank you. OK, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Kira O'Brien and Hugo McCafferty for joining me on the show. John Casey produced this episode with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, as a subscriber to the Irish Times, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today. Email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.